Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. Like my wife said, it's Connect Group Sunday. Hope you came hungry because we got lots of food that we're going to eat today. Um, if I've not met you yet, my name is Jeff. My wife and I were honored to be the lead pastors here at Authentic Church. And at Authentic, our vision is that this would be a place, a community of faith where people encounter God, where people would discover community and fulfill the call of God on our lives. And the, one of the ways that we encounter God most common is through having a time like we just had with worship that was so beautiful. And uh, time in the prayer, uh, time in prayer, uh, time in God's word, you're encountering him. And the goal is that you would go from a corporate encounter with God in an atmosphere like this, and that that would lead into daily encounters with God. And so one of the things that we put together to help you do that is we have a a daily prayer card. I even have uh, an alarm on my phone that's a reminder for me to go through the daily prayer card every single day. And so I just want to encourage you, if you don't have one of those, and if you'd like one, we have those over at the Connect table as an awesome resource for you. And so encounter God, discover community. Now, we discover community here at Authentic Church, really at any church. You discover community by serving and being part of what God's doing in that house, and then also by joining a connect group. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. If you've been with us on this journey this year, the word of God to Authentic Church was foundations. And that's a word that we received that we've been doing our best to really steward in in 2023. And we began the year talking about the character and the nature of God. And then from there, we transitioned to talking about the word of God and the, the evidence, the, the foundation of the word of God, the inspiration of the word, the preservation of the word. And so we unpacked that. And then the last couple of weeks, we had uh, our amazing uh, Casey Tate, one of the teachers here, uh, Casey shared and shared and taught on the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of atonement, and really from the heartbeat of breaking the power of sin, which leads us to today. And you know, statistics will actually show that the Christian life is the most blessed life on the planet. Why do I say that? Statistics would show that that Christian life is filled with more joy, more happiness better marriages, despite what you hear, it's false. Actually, Christians have the most incredible marriages that are out there. And uh, and healthy people have healthy families, amen? And part of that is because with Christianity, it deals with the spirit, the soul, and the body. Like Paul makes a, a few statements in his writings. He says, I am saved. And then in another place, he says, I'm being saved. And then in another place, he says, one day I will be saved. And you could read something like that, and you're like, Paul, I'm confused. Are you saved or are you not saved, bro? <laughs> you know. And what Paul is saying is he's referring to the tar- tripartite being that you have a spirit, soul, and a body. He says, I, I was saved. Your spirit was saved. You-, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You confessed Jesus. You're saved. You're going to heaven. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. There's no other way. If there was any other way to get to heaven, God would not have sent Jesus to die a gruesome death on the cross, right? And so he is the only way, the truth, and the life. So your spirit man comes alive. And then Paul says, I'm being saved. What's he talking about? 
Well, that's your soul. That's the renewing of your mind, that you had some habits and some workings and some things that you were doing in life, and then Jesus got a hold of you, radically transformed you, but now you gotta walk some of those things out, right? And so he's talking about, I'm being saved. And then he says, one day I will be saved. Well, what's that? That's the resurrection. That's the eternal life that we're gonna have for all of eternity in heaven. And so, uh, so we see this, and so our heartbeat is that in building a foundation, that spirit, soul, and body is healthy. And today, I'm gonna share with us what I believe to be one of the greatest difference makers for the longevity of a joy-filled, overcoming Christian life. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna jump into it, all right? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive. It's a lamp. It's a light to our path, that your word is truth. I thank you, Father, for speaking in these moments that we have. God, we pray that you would speak, give us truths that we can hold on to, that we can carry with us. I pray that you would convict us in areas where we need to be convicted in. I pray you'd shine a light in those areas of our heart that need your healing power. I pray that you'd give us minds that understand and comprehend. I pray that every single person in here today would hear from you. God, we did not come to hear a man speak today. We came to hear you speak. So speak, Lord. We're here. We've gathered together to listen. I pray you'd speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, today I'm going to talk about community. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2. It's kind of in the back half of your Bible if you're turning there, uh, or if you go on your smartphone, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to pick up. And in Acts chapter 2, it tells the story of how the church was birthed. And when we say church, that's not just like a physical location, but it's a gathering of the saints, right? And that word church, actually, it, it, it comes from, originally it came from a Greek term, then was translated through a, a, a German word, um, and then into our English where we get church. But originally in the Greek text, it's ekklesia. Everybody say ekklesia. You learn Greek. You guys are ready to go to Greece. Go, to, go have a vacation in Greece. Uh, so originally it was a Greek term, ekklesia. And in Ecclesia, it was, it was the called out ones. It's where we get the fancy theological term uh, ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is the study of the church. It's, it's her purpose, her foundation, function, biblical growth models, etc. But church is not just a building. It's a community of people. So it's not a place where I just physically show up. Like it's a place, it's a community of faith where I, I spiritually show up. Amen. And when the church is birthed, Peter preaches this message, and and he basically tells them two things for two reasons. Everybody say two things for two reasons. So he tells them repent, and then he tells them to be baptized. Repent, I'm turning away from sin, I'm receiving, I'm walking in forgiveness, and I want you to be baptized. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, now you're going to be joined together to a spiritual family. And every time that we see in the scriptures where somebody repented and turned away and was baptized, they were added to the church. Now when we say added, we don't just mean like, okay, click, we got that one, we had 253 people accept Christ on Easter, praise God. No, 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 they were added to the church community meaning they began to have what the Bible calls fellowship. They, they had relationship. They said, you know what, I need help. I, I don't wanna walk in that old way of life. I'm actually gonna join with a spiritual family. I'm not gonna discredit my family and friends that I have out there, maybe some, but I'm not gonna fully walk away from the family and friends I have, but I'm gonna embrace this new family that I have in, uh, in a church. And, I, and I, love, I love how on that day when Peter gets up and he preaches these words, 3,000 say yes. 
So just, I just want to pause for a moment. I just want you to picture how astounding this is, okay? We're, we're part of the early church, okay? And we're in the upper room praying. The upper room, they said there was 120 there. Now, I don't know how many are in this building right now, but this building seats about 140 comfortably, okay? So, there, so we're up there. We're having a prayer meeting. We're praying. We're believing. We're waiting on God. We're saying, Lord, where are you? All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. It stirs up the town. People come running. They're like, what is that? I, th- I heard a noise. It sounded like this mighty rushing wind. And all these people come out and they're, they're speaking in other languages and actually sharing the gospel in different languages about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and how he's the Messiah. And all these people are blown away and they're like, what is going on? Peter rips a sermon from a few hundred years beforehand from the prophet Joel and says, this was what was prophesied that your sons and daughters would actually prophesy. They'd speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit would be poured out. And so he shares that. They're cut to the heart. And then he shares them, those two things, for the two reasons, and the church explodes. So the church goes from 120 to 3,000. 120 to 3,000. That, that's like, I, I just want you to think, if you invested $120 into some stock and your output was 3000 that's 2,500% increase. That's a pretty good increase on your portfolio if somebody's managing your portfolio. If you got 2,500% increase, that's a good increase, man. So the church explodes, which sounds really awesome, and it is, but how many of you know you add 3,000 people to any community? That could get a little bit messy. From 120 to 3,000, that's a lot. And so suddenly you had these teenagers... I know we watch the Chosen series and they have beards and look like they're in their 20s and 30s, but the reality was that they were teenagers. Most of them were teenagers. They had some different older people, like myself. I would have been definitely a very elder elder in the congregation of the early church. Even Isaac, who led us in worship today in his mid early 20s, he would have been considered an elder in the early church, an older guy in the early, early church. But these were a bunch of teenagers. And so suddenly... These teenagers are leading the charge. I just want to see a show of hand. If you're anywhere from like 15 to 20 years old, just raise your hand at me in the sanctuary. We got a few in here. A few. I see that hand. I see that hand. Okay, so you would have been the leaders of the early church, Peter. You would have been Peter. You would have been leaders of the early church. And suddenly you're an elder and you're making decisions and you're praying for people and you're establishing a sense of community. I mean, just think for a second. Sometimes we have this perspective that you gotta go through like four years of seminary and four more years and get your doctorate and then serve somewhere in a church and travel to the deep jungles of Africa and, and see people saved by the hundreds and thousands before you could ever actually be used with God to minister. And that's just not the case. Like we're all called to be ministers, right? And Jesus saw in his perfect wisdom, three years with me is long enough. You're ready to go plant and lead a church. I mean, that's mind blowing. That's mind-blowing. So these teenagers are now elders, and we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42, and I think we have it on the screen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I just want, I just want that to seek in. All the believers, all of them, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. When I say that word devoted, what comes to mind? Like if I say, he's a devoted father. When I I say, uh, he's a devoted husband, 
right? What are some things that come to mind? You might have faithful. Um, they're, they're attentive. They're like, they're not just there physically. They're, they're mentally, emotionally. They're, they're like, they're there, right? When I say the word devoted, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a level of affection. There's, there's love. There's depth, right? Devoted, actually, uh, in the Launita, uh Greek English lexicon dictionary, it defines it as this, relationship without contingency. In other words, no strings attached. It's to give oneself entirely to a specific person, activity, or a cause. So, so they're devoted. So we talk about, the scriptures talk about Christ being the head of the church, right? If Christ is the head of the church, devotion, that heartfelt love, care, concern, that is, that is like the spine that helps to hold the members together. They have that devotion. The hand is functioning with the other hand and the legs and the mouth and the you know, there, there's, there's function, there's flow, but it's held with that devotion. De- devotion deepens relationship, right? If, if, if I'm devoted to my wife, and I am, if I'm devoted to my wife, when we were dating and we were kind of crossing the threshold of being just good friends to now we're like, we're serious, right? There was a level of devotion that I shared my heart with her and she shared her heart with me. Um, in a community of faith like this, if there's devotion, there's a, a deepening of relationship. You know, like our, our friends Jason and Nicole Edgman uh, sitting in the front row here, they, they moved out with us to help plant Authentic Church. They arrived a little, like six months after we did, and they actually lived with us for a few months as they were getting their, their, their feet on the ground and getting some things established. There's a level of devotion that we have in our relationship. There's that devotion. When we spend time with God, when we foster a relationship with God, we're doing it out of devotion. That devotion helps to build relationship. And there's a story in the life of Jesus where people ask him about relationship. And he doesn't look at relationships simply based on blood, like you're my brother, you're my sister, my mom, my dad, etc. He looks at it as if you're really, if you're really in relationship with me, then we're like family. He says this in Luke 8:21. He says, but he answered them. They're asking where your mom and your brothers are looking for you. He says, my, who, my mother and br- my brothers, they're those who hear the word of God and actually do it. That, that, that's, that's actually family to me, that they're not just hearing, but they're actually doing. Like there's a lot of people that follow Jesus that he didn't consider family. Uh, and sometimes if we're not careful, even in church settings, you could treat church or Jesus like a drug dealer, right? They're like, I'm, 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 I'm out, I need help, I, it's, it's your 911 call, and he's all about the 911 call. But he wants to get you to a place where there's such a level of connectedness and community that those 911 calls are less and less, but actually you're doing life and there's this flow and this rhythm and beauty. And when you look at the early church, they really found beauty in simplicity. It's no wonder why Jesus' little brother, James, James was a leader in the early church, so Jesus' younger brother uh, becomes a leader in the early church, and he writes this in James 1.22. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And my concern is that too many Christians are fooling themselves. They're fooling themselves into thinking that it's just them and God. I'm telling you what, if it's just you and God, at some point it'll end up being just you. You need community. If you're gonna go the distance, if you're gonna fulfill the purposes of God on your life, you're gonna need somebody to pick you up on a bad day, and you're gonna be used by God to pick somebody else up when it's their bad day. That's what we do. Why? Because like Jesus said, that's who my family is, and we take care of each other. 
Some people never grow in spiritual maturity because they just don't simply follow the instructions that Jesus laid out. Like Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is what Jesus instituted to his disciples. He was teaching them to observe. Go ahead and put that last slide up. He was teaching them to observe all that he commanded you. Well, all that he commanded them is not, is not laid out in Matthew 28. All that he commanded them was over the course of three and a half years doing life with them, having time around the fire at night, talking, sharing, walking, going from house to house, having the disciples pepper him with endless questions, right? You think your kids ask a lot of questions? The disciples asked a lot of questions, right? Including, are we there yet? Is this where we're going, Lord? You know, right? And as Jesus went from place to place and house to house and he ministered, he's mentoring them. He's discipling them. He's teaching them how to pray. He's teaching them how to do life. He's teaching them how to, how to handle people that are like this. You want to watch out. These people, these Pharisees, the really religious people. Let me show you how you deal with those guys. And he's teaching them how to foster love and a sense of community and bring honor to people that, quite frankly, didn't feel honored. He was teaching them how to love and care for a community because he knew in a little bit of time, he was going to go to the cross, and he was going to die, and he was, going to, he was going to have resurrection life, and then he would ascend to the Father. And then the Holy Spirit would be poured out, and it's kind of like, all right, now you need to do what I taught you to do. How I did life, I want you to do life. So if Jesus taught his disciples how to do that, and you look and you see when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and now the disciples are doing that, the question is, what are they doing and if I'm a follower of Christ, then I probably need to get in line with what he's doing and see his power move in my life and in my relationships. So three years as a Christian, it's long enough. Jesus says, good, you're going to help plant this church. <laughs> so they birthed the local church. And I just want to give us today a bit of a perspective from heaven. Uh, you know, years ago, I was, uh, I was skiing, and I had a moment where I didn't have the correct perspective on something. And uh, where I grew up, up in the Northwest area, Seattle area, um, my school was about an hour from the ski slope. And I loved to ski. Like when we were kids, my parents practically nailed skis to my feet when I was old enough to walk. Like, you know, we were up in the mountains all the time. Back then it was reasonable. Now it's like, you know, you have to donate your kidney, <laughs> you know, to be able to afford to go skiing. But we would go skiing all the time. And so I had a season pass. And then when I got my license, man, I would go to school with my skis strapped and locked on top of my car. And as soon as school was out, dude, I was flying out of that parking lot, heading up in the mountains, listening to ACDC and eating McDonald's. I mean, don't judge me. Okay, this is before Jesus. And so, uh, so I'm getting up to the mountains and, you know, get up there and we would do what's called night skiing. And if you've never been, it's a thrilling experience. It's actually really cool. It'll build your faith when you're skiing at night. But they, they, had, uh, they had these lights that they would shine on that would be so bright. And it was, it was really cool because you didn't typically with night skiing have all the crowds and I, I just don't like crowds. I'm a social guy, but there's times where I'm just like, I just don't want any crowds, right? Like, you know, I don't want to go to a resort in Mexico with everybody on spring break. I, I, I just want to have like a bungalow over here by myself, right? And so, so I'm, I'm going up to this, the, the chairlift, and it's the last run of the day. All of my friends are like, dude, we're cold. We're going inside. So they're in the lodge hanging out waiting for me. And I'm like, I'm getting my last run. And I'm, it's like freezing cold. And so I'm on there, and you're all huddled up, you know? put your face in your 
you know, your turtleneck and you're trying to stay warm and everything. And as I'm coming up, I, I see this jump and I've been trying to find where it was at when I was coming down the slope. And, uh, and I was a pretty decent skier. And, and I see this jump and you see these ski tracks and then the ski tracks kind of disappear about a foot. And then there's like little tops of trees that you could see that are buried underneath all this mounds of snow. And then the tracks come back. And so I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, well, if I'm going to clear those trees, I better get some speed, right? And so, so I kind of figure it out. And I'm looking, you know, I'm seeing where it's at. And I'm looking up the hill as I'm up on the chair looking up. And so I'm, I'm looking down and I, I see kind of, okay, I need to follow the path this way. And so I, I'm looking, and so I'm kind of mapping out my mind where I'm going to be. So I jump off the chairlift, and, and they're like, this is the last run, bud. And I'm like, I know, I know, you know. So I come around, and I'm the only guy out there. And it's just so peaceful and beautiful. And so I start just that gentle swoosh sound as you're going down the hill. Oh, it's beautiful. It's mountain air. It's awesome. And I'm going, and then I, there's the line. Here's the line. Now i got to get some speed because i got to hit that jump to clear those little tops of trees. So I get some speed. And I hit the jump. Well, unbeknownst to me, I got too much speed, and it wasn't that big of a jump. It's just like a little bloop. But I hit it going Mach 1, you know, or whatever, and it launches me. And I'm launched out of control, and I realize I passed over where you're supposed to land, and then it dropped down into this thing they call a bowl in the, on the ski hills. And there's a bowl, and because it's, like, really steep, there's all these moguls. Moguls are these big mounds that happen from people turning like this, right? And so I hit that, fly off of it like kamikaze, shot out of a cannon, and I land, and I'm just like holding on for dear life, and I'm just trying to like stay up rather than just eat it, you know, and have a yard sale up on the mountain, you know? And I'm the only guy there. Like, I don't see any other humans. It's the last run. There's nobody on the chairlift. And I'm hitting, and all of a sudden, as I'm flying, my ski pole catches one of the moguls and rips my arm back. I just fly right past it, and it tears my shoulder, and I'm like, ah, you know? And you fall down, and I'm just laying on the backs of my skis, and then slowly I just came to an end. You know, and if you ever, you know, fallen, you know, skiing or snow, you're just kind of laying there looking up, you know, just waiting for the strength to kind of get back up. And as I try to get up, I can feel something is not right in my shoulder. It's like, Kloosh, you know, and it's like, ah, so much pain. And I'm laying there and I'm moaning and I'm like, help, you know, like, help. I can't even get it out of my mouth, you know, and I'm like, there's nobody here. And I'm like, I'm way at the top of this stupid mountain doing the, the last run, right? They say most of the accidents happen on the last run of the day because you're overly confident and you're overly tired. Here I am, the statistic. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm just laying there and I'm thinking like, oh man. And so I'm waiting and I try to get up and I fall and I try to get up and I fall. It was pathetic. And, um, and then suddenly the, the chairlift starts up again. And I'm thinking like, there's a glimmer of hope. And then sure enough, there's ski patrol and they start passing up there. I'm like, hey, you know, it's like all of my energy to get my breath in and, you know, get, get some sound out of my mouth, you know. And they're like, we'll see you. We'll be down, you know. So they come and pick me up in the embarrassing toboggan, right? You're like, I don't want to be carried off the hill in this thing. So they load me up, you know, and you're in every bump. They're like, it's going to be a little bumpy. And it's like every jostle. You're just like, ah, 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 you know, pain all the way down. And then I get in my car. And mind you, it's a stick shift. And, you know, so I'm doing this thing, you know, to drive down. You know, anyways, it's horrible, painful. I, what, what's the point of that message? <laughs> what's the point of that story? The point, I'm worried that sometimes in our life, if we have the wrong perspective, then the bumps that come along, the challenges that come along, we're not going to approach it right. 
And what community does, community helps to give you those roots, helps to keep you grounded before you make that major decision. It helps to keep you grounded in your family, in your marriage, on your good days, your bad days, right? It helps to keep you grounded. And, and we all need that. And so the community aspect is something that you can't just put aside and just be like, it's just me and God. No, I mean, the scriptures point to that. If you're going to have longevity in your Christian walk, you better have community. How many would say, man, I've really been blessed by the community of authentic church? Like, yeah, the community is one of the most beautiful things. And so... Um, Acts 2, 46, it goes on to say, so the book of Acts we're in, if you jump down to verse 46, let me, let me just share what they were doing in their community. So it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I like how it says it in the message version. It says this. It says uh, in Acts 2.46 in the message version, it says they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal, a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. This was the norm. So this is what Jesus taught them. They spent three years doing. So as the church erupts, when Jesus said, the Great Commission, he says, I want you to do what I taught you to do. I want you to do with all these new believers that are coming, right? The harvest is ripe. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send laborers that actually say yes, that they don't just want to attend a church. They want to be the church. And so he says, when they do, when they come, this is what I want you to do. And so then, the, so they start with the early church. And it was so ingrained in them that we hear Paul say something similar. Paul gets saved, and in Acts chapter 20, verse 20, Paul says this. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. So the church has pri two primary gatherings. The two primary gatherings is they would gather in the temple. That would be the larger gathering. And then they would gather in the houses. They would go from house to house. This is the wisdom of God. This is the strategy of heaven. The wisdom of God and the strategy of heaven. Time in the temple, all together, and from house to house. So wisdom of God, the strategy of heaven. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, our anchor, our anchor um, text this morning, 2.42. Acts 2.42, it said, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. There's something special that happens when we come together in our homes. Something special that happens to you when you open up your home. There's something special that happens to you when you say, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna meet with this new gathering of believers, this new community that I'm joining. And there was four elements of the early church, and I just wanna kinda camp out on this, and I'm gonna share with you what our connect groups are gonna look like. So the four elements of the early church, you see this. They had, there's the next slide, guys. There you go. Four elements of the early church in our connect groups. There was food, there was fellowship, the Bible, and prayer. That's it. Like, I just want that to be ingrained in your mind. Like, when Jesus tells his disciples in the Great Commission, I want you to teach him and do what I have been doing with you, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about filling arenas. Uh, he's not talking about having these massive crusades, and I'm all for that. Um, he says, if, if you, to really sustain what I want to pour out, 
with growth in the church, it's gonna be sustained by having a, a group that looks like this. There's food, everybody's like, yeah, I love that. There's fellowship. Some of you may be like me when I was first saved. I was on the fence about what that was. There was the Bible. That's awesome. And then there was prayer. Like when we worship on Sunday morning, we don't just want to sing about healing. We're going to pray for healing. We just don't want to sing that God is victorious. We're going to praise him that he's the victorious God. I don't want to go to a group and, or you to go to a group and have a challenge or something you're going through and not have prayer. Like there's power in prayer. If you're not praying about it, that means you're standing on your own faith, leaning on your own understanding, and you're not acknowledging him. But those people that are prayerful people, people that are prayerful, they're humble, there's devotion, there's love, there's kindness, there's grace. And so those are the four elements that we see in the early church. And this word fellowship, I just wanna share with this a little bit, because that hung me up. I'll be honest with you, when I first got saved, I remember getting saved and I'm, I'm just kind of meeting some of the people and this one guy says, he goes, hey, do you want to come over to my house for fellowship? And I'm like, what kind of church is this? Is this guy like hitting on me right now? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, fellowship, you know? He's like, oh, we're just going to get together, have a barbecue, hang out, and we're going to open the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I can do that. That's cool, you know? But I had no understanding this Christianese term, fellowship. What is it? It actually is the English word for a Greek word, koinonia. Koinonia. Um, koinonia, uh, it means fellowship, communion, sharing, participation. It infers a shared responsibility and invites relationship. There's actually like when, they, when, when the apostles are writing and they're talking about what is this that's happening here, it's, it's koinonia. It's what, what, what happened in my relationship with Jesus where suddenly, man, like, like I have relationship with Christ. They're saying it's koinonia. Uh, that, that relationship I have with the Father through Jesus and how my, it, it's koinonia. That relationship that I have with these other believers, it's koinonia. Like you could be on the other side of the world, but you meet a fellow Christian and it's koinonia. You can have instant fellowship with somebody that you would never spend time with outside of the walls of a church, but suddenly you meet them somewhere else. It's like you have, because they're Christian, there's instant koinonia. So that koinonia actually even infers, in some instances, how they shared wealth and properties. That was, that was an element of koinonia. And so Paul reduces the whole Christian vocation to koinonia when he writes this in 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9, he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship, koinonia, of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's saying God is faithful in whom you were called into koinonia. Uh, John goes a step further and he affirms this in 1 John 1, 3. 1 John 1, he says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have koinonia with us. And indeed, our koinonia is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, you know, an authentic church, we, 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 we love hospitality. And hospitality, a good way to differentiate between hospitality and fellowship, hospitality is when we welcome strangers, fellowship is where we welcome believers. Hospitality is where you welcome strangers, you're hospitable, you're opening your door, you're helping them out and something's going on, you're being hospitable to them. Fellowship is where we come together as believers. And uh, this morning, I wanted to take time uh, and I wanna introduce you to some amazing leaders who said yes to the call of God. Uh, they said, I don't want to just attend church, I want to be the church. In fact, if you, uh, if you go through and read the scriptures, there's more scriptures where the early church was talking about being the church, doing something, than actually attending anything. 
And so I want to introduce you to a few leaders, and they can all just kind of come up front right now. Um, Min and Hannah Bang, Ryan and Annie Dalby, uh, Ryan and April Murray, Jason and Nicole Edgman, Bernard and Sarah Peltakian, and I'm going to have my wife join me up front as well. And, uh, and so these are going to be our Connect Group leaders for this, this season, and I just wanted to uh, just give you a chance to just kind of get to know them uh, really quick this morning. And uh, our connect groups are meeting all throughout the week. Just like you see in the book of Acts, they met from house to house all throughout the week. So some groups will meet on Sunday nights, some groups are meeting on Tuesdays, some groups are meeting on Thursdays, and then other groups are meeting on Fridays. And so, um, yeah, so we're just going to have you each introduce yourselves and then uh, just share a little something. There you go. <laughs> okay, so uh, my name is Min, and my, this is my wife, Hannah, and this is my son, Egan. Uh, we live in Eliso Viejo, so uh, every Sunday, uh, every other Sunday, we'll be meeting in Eliso Viejo at our home. So, uh, five to seven, she says. So, <laughs> <laughs> so everyone is welcome, so please come and uh, enjoy. Let's have a great time of fellowship together. All right, you guys. So I have a question for you because I thought it would be fun to maybe ask um, them a question. We get to know these group leaders. So Bangs, you two are quite the foodies. And so we were wondering if you were going to take the church out for dessert today, where would you take us? Every, not every Sunday, but a lot, almost every Sunday. <laughs> so after church, we stopped by uh, Ding Tea. It's a milk tea place. It's on Harbor, and uh, it's like really close, so five minutes away. So that place, Boba Place. So milk tea is my favorite. Jasmine green milk tea, and mochi nuts. Yes. <laughs> if you don't know what mochi nut is, it's a mochi plus donut. So if you come home, we'll have something ready for you. So. <laughs> awesome. And then actually, I have a question for you, Hannah. And you're not prepared for this, but true or false? Did men pursue you for years before you? Two. Oh. Yeah. How many years? Almost three years. She was playing hard to get, y'all. They're a perfect match. Give it up for Min and Anna. We love you guys. And Egan. I always say that, I, I swear, their, their smiles alone could cure cancer, right? I mean, they just are the sweetest, sweetest people. All right. And then next up on Tuesday nights, we have Ryan and Annie Dobby, and uh, they're going to be, uh, you have a question for them? I do have a question for you both. Okay. So um, what is your favorite season and why? Uh, we both really love the fall. We love everything about the mountains and, uh, and Looking, we're foodies as well. Even our anniversary is in fall. Yeah, got married in October as well. So um, we live next door to uh, the Petersons here, and we love to cook and pass steaks or, or beverages across the, the fence neighbors. line with one another and all that. But um, so for us, it's really the fall and the promise of winter and Christmas and all that. The only caveat is my favorite day of the year is Fourth of July. Oh, wow! I didn't know that. Absolutely. I mean, well, you have bicycles, barbecue, fireworks. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, we, we love we love a good block party. Awesome. All right, and then true or false, you met each other in grade school. Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Wow. Wow, I love it. And how long have you been married now? This on our twentieth? October eighteenth will be twenty years. 
That's amazing. That deserves a hand clap. Come on, somebody. Thank you, guys. And in case you actually want to show up to our house, uh, we will be meeting on Tuesday nights from 6.15 to 8.15. I'll be start off cooking some food, and then if we get a stable group, we'll maybe do a potluck. And they can cook. Okay. So now we have the Murrays here. Love you guys. All right. So I have a question for you. What made you want to host a connect group? Um, two things. We were talking about this um, last night. The first being that, unbeknownst to each other, we're both entering into a season of saying yes more frequently. So to pray and obey. So um, we prayed and we're obeying what God is calling us to do to open our homes. So we'll be doing the first and third Thursdays of every month from 6.30 to 8.30. Our hope is that one of the days would be more of a potluck, and the other day would be that we would host and um, give to our group. Um, and the second reason was, just like we were saying today, is that our society really is lacking a real cohesive community feel. And we're just ready for that. We want to foster that and facilitate that and, um, yeah, open our homes. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I just want to say, I read recently, too, people in the cities are the loneliest people. Right, so people in rural towns, they lean on community. And so we kind of want to bring that feeling here in Costa Mesa. You can hold that mic, Ryan, because I've All got right. a question for you. True or false, your lovely wife has built a chicken coop or chicken coops, and she may even be an egg hustler, an egg well, dealer on the side. I'll tell you what, my father is a slave driver and we all built a chicken coop. <laughs> oh yeah. He had April spend a week with him during the summer and do a whole bunch of painting and everything. He wanted it camouflaged to, bend, uh, to blend in the yard. He's a wild guy. <laughs> and they're beautiful eggs. They have oh, yeah. just, they brought me a, a couple dozen beautiful pastel. They look like they were painted for Easter, and they aren't. They're just delicious eggs, so amazing. You could. If you attend their group, you might get an egg. That would yeah, cost he, you an arm He's and getting five dozen eggs a week, so. <laughs> All, right. All right. Now we have the Edgemans up. Go ahead and tell us when your group is, and then I'll So we're going to lead our group on Friday nights, and we would say that it's the second and the fourth, but we're going to meet the first. If we're open on the third, we're going to meet all the time. So we'll let you know the exact dates, but we live in Irvine. And yeah, every Friday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Kids are welcome. Everybody's welcome. Okay. Yeah. So um, I have a biblical question to ask you. Which, which um, Bible character you most like and why? Which are we most like? Well, we, we talked about this, and he said right away, Jesus. I'm like, oh, I'm married to Jesus. That's amazing. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> the desire of our heart, but a joke. Um, Mary, I, I, I'm like Mary and Martha, the two sisters in the Bible. I'm not one and I'm not the other. I love hosting and I'm always creating in my home and taking care of everyone. I just love to host. But I also am a Martha. Like, I just love sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's a Mary, rather. Um, so I'm Mary and I'm Martha. I love being with the Lord and just meditating and hearing his heart for me and for you and passing that on to you. And I also love hosting at home. And you? 
the Bible character uh, I think that maybe um, I relate to the most would probably be Joshua. Uh, he was kind of known for three things, leadership, faithfulness, and then his belief that God can do anything. Um, I think just with my jobs many times, and in Joshua, he always felt like he wasn't qualified to take the leadership roles that were thrust upon him. And I think just for me, even starting with coaching and teaching some of the different things that I've done, um, I've been asked to do things. I'm like, I don't think I'm qualified to do any of those jobs, but I'll go ahead and do it. Um, and then faithfulness. I've been told many times, especially by my wife, how faithful I am in different things. And then Joshua just had this belief that God could do anything. Um, starting with his uh, battle at Jericho, uh, the plan that he was given um, was crazy. And so, but he was like, hey, God, you're all powerful. You can do it. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just going to walk in uh, that you are great and that you can do anything that you want to do. And so that's uh, those three characters, I think. Man, they nailed it. Well done, you guys. All right. Put on, you can't put them on the spot. Well, true or false? True or false? Jason, you desperately want an English bulldog, but your wife won't let you have one. That is true. Hey! And we... We're getting an English bulldog to go in my Jeep that I'm getting as well. Well, so. we have a surprise for you, Edmund. Yes. No. Bring it on. Bring it on. Welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, why don't you guys come over in the center? You're kind of over on the side, and, and you're kind of vertically challenged, so we'll make it so it's easy on the eyes. So Sorry. you guys come on in. Yeah. All right, go the ahead. Good things come in small packages. You're, yes, there you go. <laughs> Um, so I'm Sarah. This is my husband, Bernard. Um, we'll be hosting in Irvine every other Friday, second and fourth Fridays from 7 to 9. We've got four kids, one on the way, so it'll be loud. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. All right. And the question for you guys is, what's your favorite miracle of Jesus and why? All right, you already know what we're going to say. I don't, actually. Is Jesus turning water to wine. Hey! Why? Why? Because Jesus knew how to get the party popping. You know? <laughs> party popping. True or false, were you, maybe you did some rapping back in the day? Like, like what? Oh, my goodness. Yes. I used to be a rapper. Actually, I'm still a rapper. Come on. And I, and I spit lyrics for the Lord now. What, okay. what, was your, what, was your, what was your name? What was your name? Oh, it's Silence, because uh, silence is golden. Silence is golden. But he can't keep quiet. <laughs> so it's like an oxymoron, because I'm never silent. So, Awesome. Thank you, guys. Give it up for the Connect Group leaders, please. So I want to let you know that these lovely people that we just heard from, that was amazing. We will have these, um, what look like a door hanger, but we have one for each group. And so you will find that at the connect table out in the courtyard. And um, we have so many of them. So if you just thought, I'm, I'm going to grab a few of them, I might be able to go to all of these groups, or I'm, I'm for sure going to be able to go on a, let's say I have Ryan and Annie Dalby's right here for Tuesdays. Um, it gives you all the information here and how to contact them. So um, we have plenty. Go ahead and take as many as you think you need. Awesome. And our connect groups, by the way, let me just break it down from a real practical standpoint. Um, like the early church, we're going to do dinner together. Uh, we're going to get to know each other. There'll be like an icebreaker question or something fun. We'll have a meal. And then at some point in the meal, we're going to open the Bible. And we're just going to read aloud the scriptures that were the main kind of key text from the sermon on Sunday. 
And as we read through that, we're just going to ask the question, hey, what, what do you observe? What are you seeing here? How, how does what we just read a, apply to your life? Is this a truth or a command? All scripture is either a truth or command. Is this a truth that we, I need to hold on to? Is it a command in terms of something the Lord's asking me to do? And so we're going to go through and we'll talk about those and just kind of hang out. And then we're going to have a time of prayer together. We're going to go around say, hey, what can we be praying for you this week? I don't know about you, but every day I need prayer. <laughs> Sometimes I ask people, I say, can I pray for you about anything? And some people, they say, nope, I'm good. I'm like, man, I would love to have your life. <laughs> They're like, can I pray for you? You're like, okay, you know, do you have an hour? <laughs> Let me give you all my, give you my prayer list. We want to we pray for each other. When you see the church function the way that God designed the church to function, you see health in the body, you see health and healing in relationships, and you see that the Lord will add to it as he did the early church day by day, day by day. I want to encourage you in terms of a, a moment of activation today is we have that QR code here. Just take out your phone and scan it, even if you don't decide on which group, just so it page marks what the Connect Group page is. And on that, when you scan it, it'll take you to our main page of the Connect Groups, and then at least you have it saved. And then you can literally, you can sign up for any of the groups. You can try out the Bangs group on Sunday night, and, and if you want to double dip and go to another group throughout the week, go for it. Uh, you you want to you you go to... Bernard and Sarah's group on Friday night and then you're like awesome this is great you want to try a different group out that's cool too like it's not we want you to feel freedom and flexibility to just kind of go what's going to work best with your schedule and I know some people have different work schedules where it's like some days you're off on Mondays and other days you're off on Thursdays and you kind of have some variables there that's totally cool I want you to flow with that but the heartbeat is that we would all find a sense of community amen why don't we stand together as we close today? And we never want to close the service without having an opportunity for prayer here at Authentic Church. And so if you need prayer for anything today, we're going to be opening up the front areas on the sides here near, near the TVs. And we're going to have a time of prayer. We want to come into agreement with you of whatever's going on in your life and your world. We want to pray for you. We serve the God of the impossible. I love what President Beale said last week. He said, God doesn't work quickly, he works suddenly. We're praying and believing for a suddenly in your life, that there's things that are gonna open up. And we're praying and believing that you would be planted in the house, in the local church. You know, kings and kings, kings and kingdoms are gonna come and go. Presidents and nations will rise and fall. Stadiums, venues, bands, they're gonna come and go. Sports teams will come and go. But the church of Jesus Christ is going to march on and last forever because it wasn't man's idea, it was God's idea, amen? And he wants you part of his church body. Let me pray for you and then we're gonna open up the altars and have time of prayer. God, we thank you for this day, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for connection. God, I thank you for strengthening your body as we commit to coming together. God, I thank you that you gave us a model and outlined it that they met in the temples, and they meant from house to house. God, as we gather together on Sunday, let it bleed out and let us come together throughout the week, God, and that you would meet with us all as we come together throughout the week. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to hearts and minds. 
I pray that you would add to our, the number of authentic church daily, that you would add to relationships in this room, God. I pray that there would be uh, uh, individual strength and marriages strength and husbands, men of God strength and women of God strength and encourage young people, children, feeling strengthened and having relationships with roots that go deep, that literally they, they, our young people would be friends for the rest of their lives. I pray for that koinonia, that fellowship, that devotion. God, so I pray that you would unite us, gel us together, God. I pray that every single person here would find a place. They'd have a group on a night that works for them as we come together. So God, we give you thanks and honor and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.